Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And a welcome to Freedom to Choose and our series, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? And uh, we've been talking, this is probably, what is this, program 15, if you're keeping score. Uh, and if you want to reference it later on, uh, ever go back to it, you can go to our website, of course, and pick this up at uh, www.justasiamministries.com. And the programs are also posted there. Uh, like I say, this one is program number 15. And what are we going to be talking about today, Susan? Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the casualties of war. The casualties of war? Yes. Ah, maybe the, like why do bad things happen to good people? Yes. Or why do bad things even happen, huh? Right. Yeah. Um, well, before we get going, do you, you want to open with a word of prayer, please? Sure. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for... Um, another day and another opportunity to speak about your goodness. Lord, we ask that you will send your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us in our words and our thoughts, and to be with everybody that's listening. Lord, our desire is to um, have everybody to draw closer to you and to understand the principles upon which you have designed this universe and help us to be in harmony with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, so we're going to be asking some, you know, the most probably the most difficult question is, is why do bad things happen to good people? And we don't profess to have all the answers, but we, we are going to go through a few things that, uh, that, uh, along, along our way have made some sense to us, made sense to us and, and, uh, and have been helpful to us. And, uh, so, you know, cause, because we are in a war, you know, I mean, and, and this war that we're in, we can kind of compare to the, to the, the wars that we have on this planet, in, um, the physical wars, you know, in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks in, in uh, September 11th, 2001, you know, a lot of people were asking, why does God let such things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why doesn't God protect the innocent, you know? And even during the national prayer service for the victims of the attack, Billy Graham posed the same questions and indicated that he was still looking for answers. So... I mean, first, what are we going to describe here? We're going to describe, you know, one of the first reasons why bad things happen is we are in a war, aren't we, Susan? That's right. We're, we're in a, a universal wide war. It's not just a war on this planet, but it's a, a war over God's principles. And the only way to answer it is to take that, uh, a, that to step back yeah. and take a really large view as to what's going on. Um, it's interesting because I think we can step back and then we can zone back into our own lives and mm-hmm. the battle that we have in our brains. Mm-hmm. But we have to put the issue in its right context. It is a war. It's not a struggle between the local governments or even a global conflict. No, it involves the entire universe and the battlefield is it, this here. planet. Yeah, right? it's here. The forces involved have been battling for millennia. 
And the issues at stake are love, freedom, and our individuality. And that's not fought with power and might or bullets and tanks or flaming swords and lightning. It's rather fought with two methods. It's a battle about two methods, two principles, two motives. It's between the principles of selfishness and the principles of love. It's in the context of this universal conflict that we must look for understanding to all those difficult questions that we are asking. Right, because um, during World War II, the United States sent many of its young men to, to Europe to fight for freedom. Did it surprise anybody that many of our soldiers were shot at, wounded, and killed? No one found that unexpected or startling. I mean, it was tragic, but, but everybody kind of— You expect really, it. Right. You think it's—you know it's going to happen because it's war. But we didn't say, why do bad things happen? keep happening to our troops? We realized that we were in a, in a war— with an enemy that was determined to kill our soldiers. Sure. See, and in a similar way, we're on this uh, this planet uh, in, a, in a battle with the enemy, and, and the enemy wants to destroy as many of us as he can. You know, Apostle Peter reminds us of our need to be alert, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, loring, uh, a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8. I mean, that's this is the war. This is the battle. Right. I think the Bible talks about it a lot. Um, it, but while our opponent seeks to destroy us, it's God's goal to save us. So the Bible also says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? But if in fact God is on our side, why do bad things still strike his friends? Why does he let it happen? If God is all-powerful, then why doesn't he intervene and prevent such painful things? Okay, and that's, those are good questions. Well, one of the main reasons is the war is not about power. Mm-hmm. This struggle is not simply a question of who has the most power, who has the most might. Satan has never claimed to, be, to have more power than God. The Bible reminds us that the devils believe and they tremble in James 2.19. Aware of divine power, Satan knew that it was futile to attempt to overthrow God by force, and so he sought to turn us away from God by intimating that the Lord abuses his power and that we're really not free. As we've talked about in earlier programs, the law of liberty respects individuality. When anything violates the law of liberty, love is destroyed. Satan misrepresents God as an abusive, tyrant in an attempt to instill rebellion against him, and that erases love and incites rebellion. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son not to condemn it, but to save it. And in other words, he sent his son to reveal his love for us and thus awaken love in our hearts. That's right. The war is about love. Right. And love can't be won by force. Only by love is love awakened. God sent his son to demonstrate that even when God's own life is on the line, the principles of love and freedom are too important to violate. Christ would not use his power to save himself on the cross. Why? Because to do so would prove Satan right, that God is an arbitrary deity who utilizes his power to manipulate for his own ends. In such a universe, love and freedom would not exist. That's right. And Christ reveals just the opposite, that with God, we have real freedom. The Lord respects our freedom so much that he would die rather than force us to comply with his way. 
But with true freedom comes great risks, those of rebellion and abuse. Yep. What's the first thing that you give someone when you love them? The ability to hurt you. The ability to hurt you. God has given his entire creation the ability to hurt him because he's given him free will. And he's given him uh, the power to choose, you know. Um, Only the healed will make safe neighbors in heaven. You know, in the aftermath of uh, 9-11, with threats of new terrorism daily, we've got them all the time, you know, we, we long for a land that's free from fear, free from crime, and free from the abuse of freedom, a land that will not need armies to chase down terrorists or police to patrol the streets. I mean, we long for that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. We long to be free, but there's a problem. There's a people that have, have, have abused freedoms. Right. And, and a pl- such a place like that is only going to exist if it's inhabited by people who have freely chosen to cooperate with God for the healing of their minds. The universe will only be safe when it's inhabited by individuals who value and practice the methods of love and liberty. Only those who have cooperated with God for the restoration of his images within will be saved because only those who have been healed will make safe neighbors. That's right. So it's kind of like we're all on this, we're all in this sick ward, you know, it's like a hospital ward, this whole planet. We're all infected. We're all infected with that selfishness and fear and it drives us to, you know, to act out in certain ways and whatever they may be. And it's all to, um, pr- you know, to protect self. Mm-hmm. And that just isn't God's way. Yeah. Love, that's not the way love acts. Love doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. So God allows individuals develop their, to develop their characters here on earth in accordance with the free exercise of individual will. Now, if you were to in- intervene in someone's mind to force him or her to choose a particular act, then that person would no longer be a free being, but a divinely controlled robot. Now, this individual would also be unable to love because he would be limited to carrying out programmed commands only. What God wants can't be achieved by using his might and power. Trust can be restored only by revealing truth in love and then leaving people free to conclude for themselves what they should do about it. Right. I think sometimes, you know, in relationships, husband and wife or with your children or whatever, you think, boy, if they would just act this way, if they could just. But the reality is, is if you take away someone's um, character by making them act the way you want to, then you're changing that whole person. Yeah. And they're no longer an individual. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's time to, that you kind of got to uh, well, it kind of gets to our next uh, our next reason why bad things happen. Oh yes, uh, is, is for discipline. Yeah, sometimes you got to give them a little for nudge children. Here and you there. bet, and so, yeah, and and we're going to get into it and how God also allows discipline, but it's for our good. It's it, not to take away our individuality. Right. It's not a coercive, mean, threatening way. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it, to bring us back. To bring us back is to wake us up. Right. And the law of liberty requires that that we all have to decide for ourselves which methods that we prefer. It is in the choosing of the right that we cooperate with God for the transformation of our hearts and minds. But all too often we have become so entrenched in unhealthy behaviors or relationships that we are unable to recognize the truth. Therefore, as a good parent, God will discipline those he loves in an attempt to awaken their minds to the danger that they're in. So you know, there's a purpose. There's a purpose. And I think, you know, when, I, when, I, when we talk about these kinds of things, I, I kind of remember Pharaoh 
You know, Pharaoh, he was worshiping frogs and he was worshiping the Nile and and he was worshiping cows and he was, you know, they had all this going on and uh, and he had become so entrenched in these false beliefs that God was God was trying to wake him up. Right. You know, uh, he was trying to wake him up to get him to see that all that stuff was worthless. And, and you know, when he brought those 10 plagues, mm-hmm. he said, "This look at, man, these frogs, look, you, you know, now you, you're... They're you're, everywhere. They're everywhere. Now they're dead and they're stinking and now you got flies and, mm-hmm. and there's all this stuff going on showing them that it's worthless. But but the Pharaoh had become so... Um, his 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 character had changed so much where that's that's who he was. And God God is trying to show us all that our... Because I'm always looking for another way. You know Are what I mean? You? Oh, Yeah. You know, Solomon in Ecclesiastes told us, you know, he tried this thing, he tried that thing, he tried this thing. He tried everything before he came back to God. It's mm-hmm. kind of human nature, right? Mm-hmm. And God is all constantly showing us that those things are, are not, they don't have value. Right, and the we, things that we give our power over to right. really don't have value. Don't have value. But then it's interesting because then we'll turn around and we blame God. For discipline. Exactly. Us, for, you know... Or we have the wrong, um, we assign the wrong um, characteristics to the discipline that God is, you know, a tyrant. Uh huh. And so. Or I did this bad, so he's nailing me for it. Right. But that's not the case. You know, if I smoke four packs of cigarettes, God doesn't have to go into my lugs and give me lung cancer. Right. There's a good chance I'm going to get it. Right. And and the reason why is because God didn't design your, your lungs to inhale smoke. Right. right. And, and, and if I, if I stop at the bar every night and don't come home till two in the morning, God doesn't have to intervene and ruin, ruin my marriage. It will happen as a consequence of my behavior. Right. See, I'm not, I wouldn't be being punished by God. I would be reaping, reaping the, the consequences you, you of your choices. You know, and that's another thing too, is, is we, we, we don't learn from our, ex, our experience. We learn from the consequences of our experience. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and if we decide to run from those consequences, we won't we won't learn anything. Well, and you, and I I don't I'm sure that you did too. But I know for me in my past, when I was a full blown practicing addict, and I was getting arrested and put in jail on on a fairly regular basis, it was always somebody else's fault. And so I guess like like some people can assign blame to God. I think I did also blame God too. If if you would have then this, yeah. right? Yeah. And it wasn't until I was ready to stop, look at myself honestly and and truly admit to myself the things I had done was I was was I able to to face myself and my past and my future and to make a difference in my life. Yeah. Choose to do something different. And you have to look at it objectively not subjectively mm-hmm. you have to just look at the facts you right know, what's going on in my life what am i wh- what have i done i mean myself i got tired of hurting people finally and realized that that's what i was doing mm-hmm. you know and that, that that my life of uh pretty much almost homelessness there at the end mm-hmm. was a direct result of my behavior mm-hmm. and my behavior and my choices only right I wasn't being punished by God. God was allowing it to happen every time to wake me up until finally there was no more options. 
There was no more options. The only option left was God. <laughs> and see, so a lot of times, and I think we've we've mentioned this before, a lot of times we get calls and, and it's from uh, parents or loved ones of someone who's suffering with addiction. They say, my daughter or my son or my brother, whatever, they're in jail and I don't know what to do. I need to hire an attorney so that I can get them out. And I can, you know, I need to do this and they have kids. And it's almost like sometimes we need to allow um, the consequences of our actions to settle in so that we can learn from them. Yep. As unpleasant as they are, otherwise yep. we skip we skip the learning stage. Yeah. The puppy that potties on the carpet does not know he's done anything wrong until his nose is rubbed in it. Right? <laughs> right. And that's the thing. He doesn't know until he suffers some consequences for those actions. Mm-hmm. And if we don't allow, if we don't, if we don't walk through the consequences of our actions, if we continue to run, we will be, we will become harder and harder in character of heart, and more and more and, refusal of the of the of the love of God. Right, and being able to change yeah. is harder and harder because our hearts are sealed against. Well, it's not my fault, you it's know. It's somebody else. It's, it's, it's the world's fault. Else's. Yeah, I'm a victim. Right. Yeah, you know, and the trials often occur to help us see more clearly. The unhealthy things in our lives that, you know, so that we can choose to change them. Right. Pain is the fertilizer of the soul. It's during difficult times that we experience the greatest growth. They reveal our true character and bring our defects to light, giving us the opportunity for healing and growth. You know, I don't want to be a cockroach when the light comes on. I, I'm, I don't want to run to the corner. Mm-hmm. But, well, and, and the thing is, is that we can do that whether or not we're using and abusing drugs and alcohol. You know, we can do that clean and sober. Oh, yeah. We can still be running because we have a sick character. You, you know, the ego is funny. The ego can run by judging other people. Right. It's that, I, you know, I, the I, lust I, of the flesh, the the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Yeah, Those are it, the evils. If, yeah. If I, I, I can... I can sit and I if I if I want to get out of myself because I, I, I can't get me out of the way. So if I want to get me out of the way, I can sit and look and judge other people, right? And temporarily feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. All the while, I'm doing damage to myself because mm-hmm. it's not healthy to be judging other people, right? And so when we're thinking thinking about going through these trials, the um, the Bible verse James one two through four says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers." Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. So it looks to me like God wants us to grow up. Right. Because you'd hate to have a 25-year-old acting like a 2-year-old. Yeah. And we've seen it. I mean, I've seen myself do it. <laughs> you know, right. I've often said I'm a 62 year old man in a in a or a, a five year old boy in a 62 year old body. Sometimes the way I act, you know, we 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 do need to grow up and mature, right? And it's and it's a lifelong process, mm-hmm. but it's also progress, right? You know, we, we're looking to make progress and and be healed. You know, the person that's that's sick and on medication sometimes gets a little worse before they get a little bit better. You just but you keep taking the medication and then finally you get a little bit better and a little bit better. You know, um, what's first Peter one, six and seven reminds me uh, of this. It says in this, you greatly rejoice though. Now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine 
and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And you know that faith, that's trust. It's it's trust. It's trusting in the doctor that he has the remedy Right. For so when we see the truth about our characters and the truth of maybe some ugliness that we have locked in our minds, we can be thankful for that because it's God that's drawing us closer to see the his ideal for our life. Mm-hmm. So as our faith, as our trust is, you know, as he as God is able to help us to break down those barriers that keep us separated from God, mm-hmm. it is actually, you know, it's hard to let go. It's, it's hard, hard to look at yourself. Right. It's, and it's hard to let go and of then, resentments and the things of the past and the things that justified anger or the things that justified why, um, you know, you um, think certain ways. Yeah, because if you can justify it, then you're clean. Right. In your mind. Right. You know, if I can, as long as I can judge somebody else and justify my behavior, even though my behavior was unacceptable, if somebody else caused me to do that behavior and, and, I, and, I, and I justify it that way, then in my mind, I'm thinking I'm healthy, when in reality, I'm not. I still did bad behavior, you know, and, right. and to be able to look at that objectively and say, it doesn't matter, you know, I need to put out of my mind completely the other person's uh, part in it, you know, and say, what, what have I done? Right, so we look to God to refine us like silver, and um, in Revelation three nineteen it says, "Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline." So, so God is telling His church, "Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline," and it's for a purpose. Yeah. It's a purpose to bring us to further trust. Yeah, I mean, imagine that you you've been in an automobile automobile accident and you broke your leg. The doctor sets the bone, and now it's time for physical therapy. What do you think the physical therapy is going to feel like? Would the healing process involve pain? Sure it would. Now consider a woman who has endured sexual abuse as a child and, and has entered into psychotherapy to heal the damage she incurred. Again, would the therapy be painful? Absolutely. Sure. And, and we're sick, and it's because our minds are defective that we find ourselves drawn to destructive methods of coping and relating. The healing process is very, very painful, but if after breaking your leg, you engage in the physical therapy, will the pain diminish and your strength and and uh, your ability to function on your own return? Absolutely. If the woman who is abused as a child works through her abuse and therapy, will the pain also diminish and will her character become healthier? Yeah, you bet. You bet it'll become healthier. Um, but it takes hard work and it takes looking at things honestly. Right. Okay. You know, God understands that the healing involves pain. He too suffered pain in order to heal his universe. Without his personal sacrifice, he could not restore peace and health to the universe. And I liked what you said, that pain is the fertilizer of the soul, because it's during those difficult times that we often experience the greatest growth. You know, and you know the the poem Footprints. So, you know, when I look back, I only saw one set of footprints, and the Lord says, well, that's when I carried you. Well, that's so true. You know, we don't like it when we're going through it. Mm-hmm. In fact, we say, oh, no, not this, mm-hmm. anything but this. Right. But, you know, God's allowing that to happen. He's allowing that to happen because he knows if he doesn't allow that to happen, we won't get the growth that we need to be free mm-hmm. because we need to be free of all that stuff. Right. It's almost a, it's not, and it's growth, but it's kind of a, what is, it's a subtraction. It's not yeah, so much yeah. of an addition of knowledge and doing I, things. It's the, it's a subtraction of the things that we've gathered through our lives that are, it's bad uh, stuff, you yeah. know, that we've 
taken into our minds and our lives. Well, that's a whole that's a whole concept. I'm glad you brought up. But spiritual growth is not done by addition. It's done by a, by subtraction. Mm-hmm. You have to unlearn mm-hmm. everything that you believed before that that was that was false. Mm-hmm. And we have to get rid of self. Right. As long as it, it see, I can't push me out of the circle. Mm-hmm. Me wants to stay there. Me wants to run the show. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. So I need God's help to get me out of the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And if I'm out of the center of everything, then things can actually go the way, you know, the God, universe. The, and the universe way, is right, supposed to has operate. Has been operating yeah. on love. Yeah, based on love. Right. Well, you know what? I'm seeing that. Matt has given us some fingers here to tell us that we've only got a few seconds left. So I wanted to to let you all know that we we are giving the book away, and this is could it be this simple? The way out of your prison, and uh, and you can get that by uh, giving us a call nine one six six four five one two nine seven, and uh, just shoot us a call, and Susan will mail one out to you. And uh, so before we go, I wanted to remind everybody, like we usually do. Uh, just remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.